0: Well, some college football fans want Oregon State and Washington State to end up in the Mountain West. Some might want the American Conference, but just how appealing is the American? You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our team-free and media rights-free and, I think, kind of, sort of, beloved but dying Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show. Lots to get to, including actual football later. What a concept. I know. Amazing. But, This is an interesting idea. So I was perusing the comment section yesterday, as I often do, and my mentions on Twitter as well, and also just thinking about this sort of stuff as I was out on uh, the golf course yesterday. And I thought about, you know, the argument that I laid out on yesterday's show, which I still believe, by the way, that the Mountain West presents the best option. But the American Conference, as a potential landing spot for Oregon State and Washington State... Maybe Stanford and Cal, Stanford and Cal feel like they're doing stuff separate from Oregon State and Washington State unless they don't find options they feel are good enough and then they just end up trying to rebuild the pack as best they can. I don't know if that's really feasible, but they might try. The PAC 12 front office is certainly going to try, but the schools ultimately, as we know, are able to act in their own uh, best interests there and they can do so independent of what the conference would like them to do. So when you think about the American conference. What the American Conference boasts is a really sweet tagline and a really, really good thing to put out on Twitter. They have put teams in a New Year's Six Bowl game or the college football playoff eight of the last 10 years. Absolutely. I'm I'm not trying to argue that particular fact. Pretty sure it's eight out of 10, but they're there quite regularly. And they have, to their credit, put more than just one team into a New Year's Six Bowl. I agree with that. But... Here's the reality when you're factoring in how Oregon State and Washington State coming into the conference would affect the landscape. If they are unable to find a power five home, which is what I would like, by the way, nobody in the pack deserves to be relegated, let alone two schools that have been over 500 each of the last two years, despite being far from historical or recruiting powers in the conference. That's not something that I want to have happen. I'm just reading the terrain here and saying "Eh, it kind of looks like there's a good chance that will end up taking place not 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 the only outcome but definitely one that we have to discuss so the idea of going to the american i think has that sort of appeal because the brand is really stronger but the reality with oregon state and washington state is when you are adding power five schools that have had recent football success to a group of five conference that is going to significantly bolster the strength of the league especially if stanford and cal are in there as well i understand Stanford and calvin been that good but guess what stanford especially can recruit at a level that every g5 school can only dream of that is a fact stanford currently has a top 20 recruiting class or at least last i checked on 24 7 sports they went to modern day and got the next quarterback from that prestigious high school in elijah brown nobody in the mountain west was sniffing that kid so they would become schools that you expect to contend for conference championships every year, bolstering the strength of the, of the league. So if your argument for the American is, well, the, 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 the American's stronger, they've got, they've got better teams with better histories. Okay. We can examine that, examine that in just a moment here, but the reality is whichever conference Oregon state and Washington state were to go to, that's the better G five conference because whichever one they choose, is now the league that has two former power five schools that have had success in the pac 12 over the last couple of years and the other and the other conference whichever one that is doesn't have that and that is a significant draw so i think that's the first thing to consider another thing to consider is the american conference has a media deal that is worth more on a per team basis than the mountain west but where exactly are oregon state and washington state located not exactly a major travel hub, shall we say, but their proximity to the American conference schools is, shall we say, significantly farther than those of the Mountain West. And because we are dealing with G5 money here, and it's a couple million dollars more per school in the American, that is almost entirely going to be offset by the increased travel costs. So that financial argument doesn't carry any weight in my view so I think that's the other thing to consider but then there's the brands argument right like they should want to go to the American conference because it's stronger brand they put more teams in new year six bowl games that has been true but are we all aware of what the American conference is at the moment there was one particular comment I thought was good yesterday isn't it just conference USA 2.0 kind of not entirely not entirely The American is still a good G5 conference. They just added a school in FAU that made a run to the final four in men's basketball. They've got a school in there in Tulane that just won the Cotton Bowl and finished inside the top 10. They do have good brands in there, but these are the schools that make up the American conference. Charlotte, East Carolina, FAU, that's Florida Atlantic, Memphis, Navy, North Texas, Rice, that's food, SMU, USF, Temple, Tulane, Tulsa, UAB, that's University of Alabama at Birmingham, I believe, and UTSA. That is the American conference going into 2023. Contrast that to the Mountain West, which has got Air Force, who, by the way, won 10 games a year ago and won multiple Power 5 football contests. Boise State, I don't need to say anything there. Colorado State, they've never been great. Fresno State. Everyone in the pack fears playing them every single year, including the Sun Devils, who I'm going to talk about later in the show and make their record prediction for this season. Hawaii, okay, haven't been great since Colt Brennan, the late Colt Brennan, RIP. Nevada, New Mexico, not strong brands there. San Diego State, oh right, the one that just got to a national championship game in men's basketball and has a winning record against Pac-12 schools on the football field dating back to, I believe it's 2016, 17, somewhere in there. San Jose State, UNLV, Utah State, and Wyoming. I think Utah State's the strongest of those football brands, but that's rounding out the conference there. If you want to look at the league and say, I think I have stronger brands than the American. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm sympathetic to that argument. I hear it. I understand it. But if you put Oregon State and Washington State in the Mountain West, that is now the stronger league. So that's why I don't see the American as being widely appealing. Because the finances just get offset by the travel costs. And whichever conference Oregon State and Washington, Washington State go to, and potentially Stanford and Cal, if they were to go with them and the pack were to just completely fall apart, that's now going to be the stronger of the 2G5 leagues. Now, if there's some combination of these teams that end up being a part of the rebuilt pack, that could be the strongest of the leagues, depending on who goes in. That, that, that's kind of what it would come down to. Who could you actually get into the conference like if you pulled Tulane and maybe Rice because they're an academic fit and they're in Houston and you pulled SMU and then you pulled you know Boise State Fresno State Stanford and Cal would have to lower their academic standards there but let's say they did that and then pulled San Diego State and those were the six schools and you got and, and, and you got back to 10 I mean that's intriguing those would probably be the most likely options, by the way, if it were to be a pack rebuild somehow, which doesn't seem likely, but it's been all quiet on the Western Front lately. Suspicious, isn't it? I know, it, could, it's, it feels kind of wrong. It's like, ah, oh, it's been, everything's been quiet, too quiet. Something, something's supposed to be happening there. But anyway, as always, curious as to your thoughts. There were plenty of YouTube comments. I read through all of them yesterday. Some of you make some really good points. Some of you are on there to tell me you think I'm great. Some of you are on there to tell me that I suck. And you know what? I'm here for both of them. I really, really am. So I don't think there's that much of a difference between those two leagues and whichever one Oregon State and Washington State were to end up in, and that, that would end up being uh, the better league. Let's talk about some actual football here. I know, what a novel concept. The, uh, the AP poll came out and just underscores how utterly ridiculous at some level this entire realignment situation is. It's ridiculous though that you haven't gone and gotten your next order of Nutrafol yet, which is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning such as stress hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole body health. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping. That's the important part when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter promo code LockedOnCollege. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com slash men, enter promo code LockedOnCollege. That's Nutrafol.com slash men, promo code LockedOnCollege. I need second segment sips like I need to breathe quite literally because if we as human beings don't take in water it's not going to go well in the end so the pack isn't going to exist as we know it next year which is pretty crazy like it's I, I have people bring up this point to me whether it's somebody online or just family members or friends my, my dad was specifically was Uh, just just bewildered at this whole thing because the AP preseason Top 25 poll came out, which is always a a point of contention. And in a normal year, in a normal news cycle, would probably lead my show for two or three days with team-specific takes. We're not going to get there, unfortunately. But it is an interesting poll, as it always is, to see where voters' heads are at and their different feelings on the team's. But the reason that my dad and I were discussing it the other day is because the AP poll has got, I'm going to pull a LeBron James here, but actually back it up rather than just winning two championships. Oh, now I'm anti-LeBron. Oh no, what will I do? Okay, anyway, this is a college football podcast. What am I doing? There were not one, not two, not three, not four. There were five Pac-12 teams. Inside the top 20. And we didn't even have to rely on the number 20 team. Everybody in the pack is ranked inside the top 18. The pack 12 very nearly comprises one third. Somewhere between a third and a fourth is the exact number. That's how much of the top 20 teams the league has going into this year in the eyes of AP voters on the aggregate. Of where they put those teams. And they're individual voters. You can find all that what all that stuff about, you know, who put who where and who voted who the highest and such. So USC comes in the highest at number six. No surprise there. In my preseason lockdown poll, I had USC at number five. So I think six is about right. I also had Washington at number I think I had them at number nine, and Washington is at number ten. Again, no arguments there now Utah at 14, Oregon at 15, and Oregon State at 18. That's where things get interesting. And that's where you'll probably have some fans who are upset with, you know, brand power or uncertainty or this that and the other thing because if we all remember, Oregon State beat Oregon last year, and here they are with an upgrade at quarterback from the off season in DJ Uuenglale who I've heard has been looking quite good down at fall camp, and Oregon State's three spots behind the Ducks. Brand bias? Yeah, absolutely could be. Now, Oregon has made notable offseason additions as well. They've brought in a lot of transfers on defense to bolster their defensive line and their secondary, which were points of weakness last year. They've brought in new players on the offensive line to try to add some depth because they're undergoing a lot of uh, shuffling there after losing four starters from a season ago. But they've got bo nicks they've got great weapons they've got great running backs so i mean i i I get it and again you can make these arguments like i'm not coming on here say oh this is why this team should be here this team should be there i look for a range you know like if you put usc at you know seven instead of six or they've got him at six and i had him at five or anything like I don't have an AP vote, by the way, if you want to start a campaign, I'm not going to stop you from doing that. You know, hashtag give Spencer a vote. Um, I'm just kidding. But please anyway. So if you have Washington at 11 instead of 10 or ne- like that, that, that's all kind of kind of splitting hairs. But once you get like three or four slots removed from kind of where I thought a team might end up or where I would vote them personally, that's when I start to raise objections. But I don't have that on any of these teams. I've got the two-time defending champs there. Yeah, I have questions about Cam Rising's health. It's the biggest question I laid out leading up to the season for Utah. But I've also seen Utah, without Cam Rising, able to win some solid games. Now, can they be as good as they're capable of being? No, of course not. Absolutely not. But are they also the team that would be least impacted after Oregon State Buy an injury to their starting quarterback? Yeah, I'd say so. I, I, I think they're the most capable of, of handling that situation. But five teams inside the top 20, and here's the pack <laughs> breaking apart after this season. I don't know how we let that happen. Just when everyone started to really invest in their programs, have success, bring in great players, utilize the portal, recruit better, bring in great coaches, retain great coaches, just when everything was going right, everything is going horribly wrong. It's painfully ironic, but eh, that's life as a West Coast sports fan sometimes. So speaking of coaches, this question came in from John, and John sent me a question via the YouTube comments, which is a great way to reach me, but a better way to reach me, frankly, because the comments can get kind of hectic, and I don't always see them all, but I try to, at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. DMs and mentions always wide open. Hop in there, ask a question, get it answered here on the show. John asks, Spencer, I assume if the Pac-12 dissolves and is no longer a conference, George Kleofkoff is out of a job. Well, seeing as how he's Pac-12 commissioner, yeah. And a question, since Lanning was giving a new co- given a new contract extension and an increase in pay, will there be an increase in pay and contract extension for all the other coaches? It would only seem fair. Well, as I have been told on more than one occasion and seen on more than one occasion, I don't know who told you that life was supposed to be fair. We'd like it to be. We're trying to make it as fair as we can, but it's not. And this is college football. If you're looking for fairness and everybody being on an equal playing field, you've come to the wrong place. You have gone to a Chinese restaurant looking to get burger fries and a milkshake. That is not what they are going to give you there. And that's not what you're going to get here in college football. So all the other coaches, I assume you're referring to the other PAC coaches, a lot of them don't have a future conference home yet. Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State, we don't know what they're going. We don't know what they're doing in 2024 and beyond. So I don't think that that's going to happen. Plus, Stanford has a new coach. So you need to see what happens in year one. And as I talked about the other day on the show, I think Stanford's going to be the worst team in the pack. I think they go two and 10 and they're the first winless team in pack 12 play since 2017 when Oregon state did it. And I don't think that it's going to last that way either for Stanford, but I also don't know what's going to happen with the conference going forward. But had the pack stuck together, I don't think Stanford would remain a bottom feeder for forever under Troy Taylor, but in terms of the other coaches, I mean, Kalen DeBoer got his extension before all this big tent and stuff came out. Lincoln Riley is already one of the five to ten highest-paid coaches in all of college football. Chip Kelly is a very highly paid college football coach. Kyle Whittingham, he's 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 set, man. I mean, he's got he's been there for 18 years. He's been making millions a year. Like he's 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 good to go. He clearly doesn't have a massive desire to get a raise and. They've already figured out his contract and what he'll do when he, if, if and probably when he retires within the next several years. I don't know how many years that'll be, but with regards to all the other coaches, when you have a new coach, you have to see results on the field first before you can talk about a raise. But when you have a new conference, I don't think that automatically means you're going to be able to get a raise either, especially if you're downgrading conferences, right? If you're going to a place where you're expecting the money to be less, it's a lot harder to suddenly find the money to give your coach a raise, even if he deserves it. I mean, Jonathan Smith, if he were to get to the Pac-12 championship game this year, he would be deserving of a raise. Because that's how it goes in the rest of college football, and that's how contracts play out with coaches and such. But guess what? Oregon State might be on shaky ground financially, depending on how all this stuff plays out whether they rebuild the pack, keep it together, go to a different conference, get money, and then go. I, like, I, I don't know. I don't know how all that is going down. I'm waiting to see you know, how it all plays out exactly just like you. And I don't know when. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that either. Um, I wish I knew, but hey, I, I've still got my predictions written down for when everyone thought the Pac-12 media deal was, was going to come in. Um, a lot of people have, of course, already missed. I guess technically, I'd have to think. I'd have to think about that, because here, here's here's where that's interesting. The deal was technically presented; it just wasn't, you know, signed. Like we don't have a deal. There was an offer from Apple, and I'm going to think about that. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going I'm to think about that and, and get back to you all on it. But anyway, to answer your question, John. Uh, No, I don't think a conference shift automatically means that you're going to give a coach a raise because I think the coach has to have earned it or deserve it in the eyes of the athletic department, in the eyes of the boosters and donors to, uh, to, to the program. The athletic director has to see it that way and that's you know what oregon felt and i think they probably had an inclination that they were going to the big 10 so they said hey we want to make sure that this is our guy and as we have conference instability we want to make sure we have coaching stability and they writ they writ they wrote the contract for that specific reason so like the buyout is huge it's a big 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 buyout like if any school wants to come get dan as their coach between now and 2029 they'd have to pay Oregon $20 million in addition to whatever is left on Lanning's contract. So it'd be it'd be rather expensive. All right, let's get to my favorite part of the shows. I love doing record predictions because I either feel really good about them as the year goes on or I feel really bad about them. But I always feel good about them before the season starts. So good time for me to just let the good times roll and give me the confidence. Now, my man Richie Bradshaw is... Not going to be thrilled over at Locked on Sun Devils with what I'm about to lay out here, but something came up within the last week that has given me a little bit of pause and and caused me to move ASU's record prediction down by one game. Now, Arizona State should not be expected to do a whole heck of a lot this year. They're going to be a lower tier team in the Pac-12, and that is okay. Just like Stanford is going to be a lower tier team in the Pac-12 and that is okay. Because Colorado, same thing. They're not going to be contenders, none of them. That's okay. Rebuilds, like Rome, were not built in a day. You can't do it quickly. And at some places, like Stanford, it might take even longer. Arizona State and Colorado have the ability to do it a whole heck of a lot faster and they will try to do so in the Big 12 starting next year. And just a quick note on Kenny Dillingham, who people have told me I look like if I put on a suit. Um, might have to ask him a question about that one, uh, one, one day if I get the opportunity. But, I mean, people are not totally wrong. He's, he's a good-looking guy. Um, <laughs> anyway, Kenny Dillingham is a very honest and passionate individual. And when he talks, it reminds me of Jake Dickard at Washington State. When he talks about his team, when he talks about his program, you can tell he loves his program. He cares about it, and he wants it to be the best it can possibly be. And he is not seeing it as a springboard position. He's not seeing it as a leapfrog job or a temporary st- Like, that's where he wants to be. And he is all in on building that team to the best that it can possibly be. And I've long held the contention like many others. Arizona State has long been the biggest sleeping giant in the pack. Now, it's been that for a long, long time. But when you think about the market, the recruiting footprint, and the location that they have, and the proximity to other big recruiting states, there's no reason ASU, which is, I believe, the largest public institution in the country. It certainly has one of the largest campuses, or the largest campus. That is something that, it all lines up. It just hasn't come together yet. I don't know that this is going to come together to be a great season for Arizona State. But again, that's okay. So first week, they host Southern Utah, a school that I work for and do play-by-play for and very much enjoy doing. And in all likelihood, cannot guarantee at this point in time, but in all likelihood, I will actually be on the Southern Utah radio call for that game in Tempe, which I'm pretty stoked about. That should be fun. I also fully expect Southern Utah to not pull an upset there because Arizona State will have better players top to bottom, and that's an FCS opponent, and we all know how and why those games take place. Yada, yada, yada. ASU will start 1-0. The next week, they host Oklahoma State. Good news for the Sun Devils, by the way. Each of their first four games, they are at home. Mm, lots of home cooking for Kenny Dillingham. I think 2-2 two and two would be a good stretch. I also think that's what's going to happen here. So Southern Utah is going to be a win. Oklahoma State, I think that's just a better program in a more advanced state. Mike Gundy's been there a long time. They're never terrible. They're not always great. But I think Oklahoma State, as they did a year ago, knocks off ASU. Then Fresno State comes to town. Now, this is going to be a really interesting game. Fresno State, off a 10-win Mountain West Championship season, in which they went and beat Washington State in uh, the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl to get to 10 wins, they are having, un- having to undergo what every dayers know is my least favorite thing and a cause for what I call fading. I will fade you if you don't have quarterback certainty. And there is a not one, not two, not three, but four-way battle, according to what I read about Fresno State in prepping for this show, at the quarterback position. I don't love that. And Jake Hayner last year, that dude was a baller. He was really good. He was really good in 2021 as well. So I'm going to go with the Sun Devils there. I think it's a two-in-one non-conference slate for the Sun Devils. I don't think it's easy against Fresno, but I think being at home, I think they can do just enough. So I will give the Sun Devils benefit of the doubt there. I don't see a lot of wins after that, though. In fact, I only see one. So their next game is USC at home. That's not going to happen. At Cal the next week, a winnable game for Arizona State compared to some other matchups they have this year. But we all know how I feel about the Bears. It's in Berkeley. I think that's going to go to Justin Wilcox's team and drop Arizona State to two and three. Now, the next week, they play Colorado. They come back home. I like them there. I do. I thought about taking the bus. I really, really did. And I don't think that that's going to be an easy game for ASU to pull off. But I do think it is possible. After that, however... I think it's going to be a rough stretch and a lot of culture building and learning for the coaches, for the players, for the fans, for everybody, because I don't think ASU wins another game. And I am so sorry, Richie, if you're listening to or watching this show, but I have the Sun Devils finishing the season three and nine. I think they pick up just the one conference win against Colorado. Now I could see two. I could see two, but here's the thing with Arizona State. And again, I'm remaining consistent on this. For this year in the pack specifically. Generally speaking it's true. But this year specifically. When you're in a quarterback rich league. Where it is deep. It is talented. Up and down. If you can't give me. A player I feel good about. Or if you are giving me. Uncertainty. I'm going to fade you. It's the same reason I'm fading UCLA. To go 7-5 and five this year. But I am coming into this. Was going to pick arizona state to be a four-win team i thought they would pull an upset against uh you know a a ucla or maybe beat a washington state or maybe even beat arizona in the duel in the desert in the last week i was looking at those games but now in the scrimmage drew pine suffered an injury he's going to be out for several weeks and jane rashada could get thrown into the fire that's tough because that's clearly not what their plan was it's not what they want to do with their young star quarterback who could be a really good player one day but at this point in time hasn't taken a snap of college football that could be difficult so i'm not wild about that and the prospect of drew pine playing the season you know and and maybe missing a game or two or three or four or five or six i don't know but i don't trust what arizona state's got waiting there because you just can't put all that onus on a true freshman it's just i i think that is just too much so I think they're a three to five win team, but I'm going to go on the low end with them here. Their win total is four and a half in Vegas. I'm taking them under uh, to to go three and nine this year. I don't like that court. Quarter- I didn't like the quarterback situation to begin with. Frankly, Drew Pine reminds me of Jack Plummer from last year. He's serviceable, but doesn't excite me in a big way. And guess what? Cal went four and eight, and that's where I thought Arizona State would be. And, and I think they're going to be kind of in that three three to four win range this year, but. All those games I mentioned is, you know, I wanted to pick them here. Let's say Drew Pine plays them all. Is he better than Cam Ward? Nope, don't think so. Is he better than whoever's starting at UCLA? It's probably a wash at that point in time, depending on who it is. Is he better than Jaden DeLore? Nope, I don't think so. So I'm not particularly high on the Devils this year. It's year one of a rebuild. This is how these things go. I'm not anti Arizona State in a bit in a big way. I think it's going to be a tough year, and they will learn and they will grow. But I think they're three and nine, and I think they're one and eight in conference play. I think the top of this league is going to be really, really good, and the bottom of this league will struggle pretty hard at times. So that's kind of a negative note to end on. Here's a positive one: college football is ten days away. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.